Hello, everyone, and thank you to another for joining us for another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias Sapella. We are coming to you live from Hello Chicago with another sh- with another show. Always something. <laughs> another show. This week we have joining us by phone today, Jason Perillo, uh, head coach of a lot of famous MMA fighters, but most notably Michael Bisping is what we're interested in talking to him about. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about UFC 209 and some other general MMA topics. As always, feel free to add a comment in the co- uh, comments below if you have a question or something you want to contribute to the conversation, and we'll uh, keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll try to answer your questions to the time allowing and um, have an overall discussion. So first things first, let me pull up UFC 209. The main event, underwhelming. And I think that's a big takeaway that a lot of people take for the event. What was your takeaway from the, the main event? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. We were talking a, a few seconds ago off, offline, Mike. We got uh, we just recently got in a, a letter from a friend of ours and a listener, uh, Roman. And Roman, you know, he was like, hey, what do you think? You know, is that the, the worst UFC title fight ever? I've seen a lot of tweets from other people in the media, fans, even some columns written about it. I, don't, I kind of reject the premise. I think the premise is a little bit preposterous and has some problematic um, logic. I think it's, it's so interesting and unfortunate that we talk about fight sports in a way that we don't talk about other sports. I don't know when the last time I had a conversation of what the, the, the most boring baseball game I've ever watched was, right? There's just, we take it for granted in other, in other sports that some games are more interesting, more titillating, more exciting uh, than others. Uh, exciting ones, it's, and there's particularly thrilling ones and particularly action-packed ones, high-scoring ones. We celebrate. I got no problem with that. But this whole, this whole notion of let's, we got to determine what was most or least titillating and fighting is, is weird because it's, it's kind of exceptional in sports, and it's a particularly bad sport to do it in because the consequences uh, are, are so heavy uh, in, in, uh, in, in fight sports. They're not playing a game. They're really... Um, they're playing with their lives in there. So I, I really don't ever rail on fighters for being tactical or, or cautious. The thing people don't understand, I think, a lot of times about professional fighters is they all want to win really, really badly, right? They all want to finish really, really, really badly. These particular professional athletes, though they're on major network television and pay-per-view, they don't get paid like other major sports stars. And so much of their, their pay is contingent on them being exciting and them finishing fights so they they the motivation is there and they're trying but it's just it's just a hard thing to do so i think it's a weird thing we don't do in other sports we don't say like hey uh i don't know golden state warriors uh, or no like, in the opposite like if there's a team golden state is a great perimeter game right let's say there's a team that didn't have a great perimeter game in basketball you know they they to score they need a get to the they need a, they have a great post-up game right they get one or two guys in the paint that score most of their points they get second shots off of rebounds and that's how they get their points do we rail on them and say hey you know what that's not super exciting why don't you shoot more threes? Oh, you don't have anyone that that hits over 20 percent of their three-point attempts i don't care that's more exciting you shouldn't care about winning the same token if there was a, a football team that doesn't have a good passing game but they win with their running do we criticize them for running the ball and say it would be a lot more exciting to me if you pass the ball and risk losing. I, I think it's kind of preposterous. And beyond that, even if you were to accept the premise, long-time fight fans know that there's been a lot less titillating title fights in the UFC than the one we just saw. One where we saw, uh, uh, you know, the, the champion uh, dominate on the ground or, or 
come close to finishing in the final seconds of a fight and nearly knock out his opponent for the second time in as many fights. Like, there's been a lot less eventful fights than that. So I, I, I don't like the whole discussion, personally, the, dis, the, the discursive on this type of topic. Um, and I also think fans with memory realize that <laughs> even if you do accept that discussion, there's been a lot less drama-filled fights, in my view. Like, I'm not pretending it was titillating every second, but I also think there's more important things than that, personally. So in the SEC, they have this, like, uh, they have this kind of thing, low-scoring games is, like, their thing in football. Yeah, right. And people are, like, okay with that. Yeah, exactly. And it's acceptable. You know, they all they care the about is that you win. Like, in soccer, there's a, a tactic called parking the bus where <laughs> yeah. you play really defensively, and it can, it can be really boring in attempts to, like, salvage a draw. But, you know, I, I feel like for as much criticism as Tyron Woodley has received since becoming a champion, I feel like he really handled the aftermath of it really well yeah, for sure at least in explaining you know when he was asked about the fight being boring or you know whatever yeah. them showing hesitations i think he did a really good job of breaking down why that was you know he mentioned it's really hard to fight somebody back to back immediately you know their tendencies and uh, he pointed to something specific he's like you know i knew that when he turned his hip he was going to go for this kick so like i would Go, I would be ready to go in and then I'd see him do that and then I wouldn't because I knew what he was trying to do. Like we just knew each other so well that like every time I, I would gesture like I was about to do something, I could see that he was ready to counter it. So I would, I would not do it. And it makes total sense. It does. And then at the same time, he talks about like how, you know, he, uh, he, um, he's trying to win. Yeah. And like that's his ultimate goal. Yeah, and it's right. like, you know, I don't want to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. I, but I feel like he did a really good job explaining like, really the did. tendency of like them fighting back to back and knowing each other so well as, as much as uh, the fact that, you know, him trying to fight in a style that allowed him to stay a champion. Yeah. You know, a lot of people yeah. going into this fight were like, we, Tyron really should take Stephen Thompson to the ground and <laughs> wrestle him. And then the, he will just, you know, stroll to a victory. It'll right, be easy. Right. But it's like, if he did that, you know he'd be criticized because, oh, uh, it was yep. boring. He just took him down and held him. Yep. And it's like... Exactly. I think, I think there's an ignorance there. And, and I think what you point out was uh, Tyron's post-fight press conference uh, comments. Definitely, if you haven't listened to them or watched them, do yourself a favor. Listen to Mike and, and, and watch him. You'll, if you don't already know what he's saying is true about fighting and about competition generally at that level, uh, you'll, you'll learn a little something. I... You know, I, I gotta, I'll, I gotta end on this. Not to, you know, with with this subject, Mike. I, when I say that, you know, when we talk about the way we talk about fight sports, is different in this regard than the way we talk about other sports. It it's important to me to point out, and this is my opinion, but I believe it's it speaks to a real dehumanization of the athletes in fight sports. To me, we still. We, a lot of us still view them as like these gladiators we romanticize it heck that's the lead in for you know or was for so many years of the UFC that's you know their bravery is certainly admirable but there's a part of us that still think that these guys and girls exist to titillate us and their health be damned I don't care if they're fighting you know a lion or uh, you know a person that knows them very well in a rematch we don't care we don't and, and if the we don't bloodlust yeah you know and that's, the old gladiator days that's a problem man when we criticize a fight like this I'm not saying you have to love the fight but if you start if you go through the effort especially as a writer to, to write about this it, it speaks more to your ignorance and, and to, to a real lack of uh, 
recognition of shared humanity in my view um but it's it's just it's a very very strange thing and and it reminds me like i, I this is the, by the way would like it or don't like it or hate it or love it this is predictably the fight i mean this is the fight we were going to see how in the world did we think it was going to be different it was a less action-packed version of the first one woodley i mean uh thompson arguably edging out most of the time when they're on their feet, when Willie can get them on the ground, he really does some work there and does some damage. And the guy that comes closest to finishing with threatening with that power is Tyron Woodley and comes in spurts. That's the exact same way the first fight went down. But, like you said, this time they know each other better, so they're going to be more cautious. When Stephen Thompson came on here and said, I want to let it go more, I mean, that's a, good, I'm, that's a heavy task, man. Like, it's a tough thing to do that against someone tell on Woodley who can threaten with the takedowns and close distance fast, and it's like a whole other thing to do it in a rematch when he knows you well. So people are revealing their ignorance in a whole lot of ways by, by um, at least the so-called experts, by, by talking about it in that way. Well, I think the, uh, the flurry at the end teased people to like what <laughs> they wanted to see a little sure. bit because like, it was so close to happening it's like but, i want to see that guy almost die for 25 straight minutes like i get it but it's not an action movie it's tough to do if tyron woodley could have done that the whole, like earlier i i bet he would have i bet he would have liked to now <laughs> you know? the other debate that comes in is yeah. the scoring sure a lot of people feel like that the uh fight was scored incorrectly for mm. a multitude of reasons mm. One of which, a lot of people thought that they had, uh, or said that they had um, Stephen Thompson winning. Sure, sure. How did you score the fight? I, I don't have a definitive scoring, Mike. I thought it was close enough to, to score either guy winning or for it to be a draw. I, I kind of lean, believe it or not, towards a draw again, and, and here's why. I think Thompson won more rounds. Um, like, I believe he won more rounds in, in their first fight, but... I'm leaning towards the the fifth round being a 10-8. And I know, and this is a whole other separate discussion, I'm going to try to get the executive director, Bob Bennett, on the line, but that unprecedented, incredibly bizarre move for Bob Bennett to come out and say that the fifth round scoring 10-8, the one judge that scored a 10-8, was unacceptable. We've had such horrible decisions in Nevada, and right. never can I remember a, an executive director right afterwards summarily saying this is an unacceptable score. Now, I think there's an argument whether or not the last round should be 10-8 or not, but I think there is an argument. Anytime the round is close and then one dude finishes the round by dropping the other twice, even in MMA, like you're not crazy if you score that 10-8. Maybe you shouldn't, but you're not crazy if you see it 10-8. So I, I'm leaning towards a draw. I... I'm not like I, I think it could have gone to either guy or a draw. It, it's a t it was really tough to score. So on MMADecisions.com, which mm -hmm. is a website that aggregates uh, scores from pundits and people, you know, media people, five of the people uh, listed gave it to Woodley, mm -hmm. six gave it to Thompson, and then another mm, eight gave it a draw. So and here's the other thing about the 10-8 round was that in 2016 rules that might not have been a 10-8 round. But in mm -hmm. 2017 rules, that could be a 10-8 round. Did, Nevada but hasn't even adopted Nevada that. hasn't yeah, even adopted yeah. it yet. So, so they're still on 2016. Yeah, I think that it's a much ado about nothing. I think having... I think the judges seeing it a different way in a fight that close is understandable. To me, I don't know. Did you think, like, hey, this was a robbery one way or the other? Or one of those scorecards was so crazy? No, I, I mean, I felt like it was such a close fight that whichever way it went. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> that's kind of the way I was thinking. I know that doesn't, that's not helpful for people or the fighters, but, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard to score for me as well. Yeah, but either way, it's in the books. Woodley's retained the title. Yeah, man. 
what do you think's next? Do you think he waits for Maya Masvidal to clarify? Oh, good Lord, I hope so. My, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, at this point, Jorge Masvidal is also a contender. So if he wins, if he beats Damian Maya, the hottest contender in the division, that he should get the title shot. Damian Maya should have gotten the title shot or at least been guaranteed it as his next fight for a very long time, in my view. So um, I would imagine. I mean, they're just, what, like two, what, two months away? Like, I could see him waiting. I don't know. I don't have any insight into what Woodley would want to do. Um, maybe if they offer him someone like Nick Diaz, like right away, I bet he'd take that. <laughs> I bet he feels pretty confident in that matchup and that he can make money. But uh, I like to see that. I think Damian Maya, Jorge Masvidal should be next. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson should should shouldn't be ever be far away from a title shot again. Whatever he does next. Um, but. Uh, uh, you could say he deserves another one, but I, I just think we need to go to the next guys. Yeah, I you mean, know. if they didn't do the, tr- the Diaz-McGregor trilogy right Yeah, away. exactly, but, exactly. You know, Thompson, I think the trilogy fights there if, you know, circumstances set up for it well. For sure. But the uh, I don't think it'll be in the immediate just because mm. I think people, there'll be a lingering bad taste. For whatever reason, people really had a negative reaction to that. Yeah. Which leads me to another question about this fight. I was talking to some people about the chess match aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Some people feel like that's a cop-out for a boring fight. Some people think that it's a real thing. Uh, you heard Tyron Woodley in the post-fight press conference kind of talking about the signals he was getting, which yeah. would make him hesitant in moments that he didn't want to be hesitant. What do you think of the chess match debate? Well, I mean, it's, it, there's not too much of a debate. You either, if you think that fighting competitively doesn't involve tactics, strategies, reacting to your opponent, and a lot of counter moves. If you think it doesn't involve that, um, you're, you don't know anything about fighting. Uh, if you want to disregard that and say, hey, to hell with it, you, you, know, you might know something about fighting, but you might be the type of fighter, let's say like a Leonard Garcia that just doesn't care, right? He's not going to use strategy ever, at least by all appearances. He's just going to wing it. In this, which case, you're not dumb or you're not ignorant of fighting if you're that type of fighter. But you may not be giving yourself your best chance at winning. And no champions ever fight without tactics, without strategy, without tailoring their approach to their opponent. We, again, in other sports, we celebrate wins that are squeak-bys, right? Won and clinched in the last second after a really close uh, thing in other sports, even if it was a low-scoring basketball game, for example, you got 60s. You know, someone hits a three-pointer to, to finish the game, or goes on a 6.0 run, single-person 6.0 run to win it, like 69 to 68. Would celebrate that. And we forget that it was low-scoring. And fighting, we don't. So, uh, to me, I think you're being very nice to people by even entertaining the idea that <laughs> it's a debate. Oh no, I, there's no chess match. There's no tactics or strategy or counter moves in fighting. It's just mindless movement. Yeah, okay, that's not a debate. They don't know what they're talking about. So, building off of UFC 209, one of the big storylines reading into, uh, running into it was the feud that seemed to develop between Dana White <laughs> and Tyron Woodley. They both had separate appearances on Sports Center and both said, you know, things. Um, Tyron was first, and then when Dana White came on, they repeated what Tyron said, and Dana White called him a drama queen, I think. Uh, but then they show, you know, in Embedded, you see a video of Dana White and Tyron Woodley hanging out after UFC Media Day after the stare downs and taking a picture together for, or a video for Instagram, I'm assuming it was for Snapchat or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And they seem to be getting along just fine. And then, you know, what, what do you make of that? Is it 
I think, you know, Dana White showing no respect to fighters rhetorically in, in addition to, to say nothing of um, the, the benefits and pay that they received, you know, is nothing new. But he is stepping into some, some very explicit territory here with the way he's been bashing his champion, Tyron Woodley, instead of promoting him. Uh, I have a column up at MixedMartialArts.com right now, and, and it's basically the premise is that MMA is evolving. The business of MMA is evolving, and Dana White is not. Dana White, the guy who has for years would, would insult fans profanely on Twitter, um, hurled misogynistic and homophobic slurs at reporters and official UFC videos that they recorded, edited, and published because he didn't like their stories. That's the same guy we have now, even though the sport is growing. When you have... In the weeks leading up to a fight, a guy like Tyron Woodley, you have a fight where he's, he's, he needs to be promoted. The fight needs to be sold. He's the main event. And in, in the course of a couple of weeks, like you said, we have uh, Tyron Woodley saying, hey, you know, talking about pay and conditions, Dana White getting upset and calling him a drama queen, which is a loaded term for many, many reasons. It's gendered, for one. Uh, I think you could argue it's, it's racialized in terms of um, the whole history. There's, there's a long history of of um, in order to disarm um, black men, we, we kind of feminize or use them in drag. Um, so it's, it's a gendered insult to call him a, a drama queen. Um, and then he goes on to say Tyron Woodley and others who were interested in big money fights should shut up. And then after the fight, when Woodley says, hey, you know what? Dana White doesn't know what it's like to fight Stephen Thompson when he criticizes this UFC 209 fight. Dana White comes out and threatens Woodley, like passive aggressively, not directly as an as a, as adult uh, man would or a grown woman might and says basically, hey, I'm the shot caller. The sooner you learn that, the better off you'll be. He threatens him tacitly. In the course of two weeks, calling him a drama queen, telling him to shut up and do his job and saying, hey, you'd better learn your place and shut up again. That's offensive in many ways. I think it has a particularly bad look for a white boss to be doing that to a black champion. He also, Dana White, in the weeks leading up, told Tyron Woodley specifically not to talk about racism. Tyron Woodley made some comments saying, hey, you know what, I think there's racism uh, in, in the sport of MMA. And Dana White came on and said, oh, no, no one wants to hear about that. They're booing you because you talk about racism and you, know, and, and you don't basically have the right to be, to be talking about, uh, about things like that. All of that is extremely uh, offensive. It's problematic for the UFC, which now is owned by a public company. It's no longer a small family business. Um, Dana White is, is really a, a dinosaur right now in the business of MMA, uh, and he's lashing out in, in some really more explicit ways um, than maybe he ever has before. And, and I posit in the article, and I will now as well, that it's in part because he's losing control. He's been a very hands-on president in addition to promoter for a very long time, and a lot of his power is diminished. His ability to decide over budgets uh, has diminished greatly uh, since the new owners. Even before that, there were some of the biggest UFC fighters had refused to negotiate with him because of the way he is, and they were dealing with Lorenzo Fertitta directly. Dana White is losing power, and he's lashing out at fighters um, who are trying to get better treatment or who just want to express <laughs> some, some thoughts. And, and I think that's incredibly offensive, and I think the MMA beat media has been so beaten down over the years that they don't see that is not okay and not normal. Um, and it's a very interesting thing because I think we're seeing a parallel with uh, the White House press corps and Dana White's good friend for, for over a decade, Donald Trump, and the way he, he treats media and, and, and others that he doesn't like. That's my own take. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think that feud has been entirely fired up by Dana White. I think it's really strange for a promoter to decide to denigrate a fighter uh, and a champion of theirs leading up to a fight instead of promote them. Mike, and I think it's ex- you've talked about this a lot. It's a really weird to do it with uh, with Tyron Woodley, with, uh, who who is a a good looking dude who does television broadcast in a very insightful professional way who's out there in hollywood who is a positive force in this community time and time again and in battle community in st louis uh in east st louis area um and and uh he he's a business owner he's an exciting fighter that has beaten some of the best people in the world by knockout usually and this is the guy that they're jumping on it's very strange to me yeah uh the whole promoter um aspect of it that he's not uh promoting this champion just seems kind of bizarre like like he, he he made a comment at one point where you know to sell fights like uh your last fight was a draw finish somebody to sell fights it's like but that's the promoter's job it certainly is and especially if he can't sell ufc 205's incredible draw then what the hell are you doing? Criticizing Tyron Woodley for an amazing fight with Steven Thompson was back and forth, so hard to score. That's ridiculous. Right. Um, anyways, moving on to the next thing. Khabib, Tony. Yeah. How disappointed were you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm disappointed that Khabib Nurmagomedov was, wasn't healthy enough to fight. I think that was a really, really cool fight. Once it was made, I was looking forward to watching it. I think it was incredibly unfair that either guy had to fight each other before a title fight both guys long ago earned title fights either one of them needs both of them need to have their next fight before a real championship not this ridiculous interim title that was made a couple months after a new champion was crowned so i'm not disappointed if tony if tony ferguson gets the fight for the real world title next that's good i I think that's fair uh and i think khabib should fight the winner of that as well but yeah i wanted to see it once they made it i was very interested in that matchup and before we get to the interview segment of the portion, we did want to talk about one story. Eves Edwards uh, and his mother. Yeah, She's yeah. been fighting cancer for a while. He set up a GoFundMe page. The account has uh, received a lot of, a lot of positive response. Um, he's almost, as of yesterday, was within, I think, $4,000 of his goal. Yeah. Um, and I know you wanted to talk about this last week. Um, so... Yeah, Nicole, so Nicole Adderley is Eve Edwards... Um, uh, mother and she's she's obviously a lot of other things. She you can follow her at Fifty Fabulous and Fit uh, on social media, um, various accounts. She's 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 a really incredible uh, active person and you know espousing healthy lifestyles. Um, in addition to raising Eve Edwards, who is one of the one of the best pound for pound fighters for many many years, he's a friend of the show. He's been a guest on here, um, was a top lightweight for years in the UFC and internationally, and now he's a he's a, a great coach and an analyst on, on television. Well, his mother is battling cancer. Nicole, Nicole's battling cancer, and she's been fighting hard. She's been, she's been beating him back for a while. Um, she's been going through a lot of treatment right now. Her GoFundMe page says that she's going through radiation. Um, and anyone who has been, been touched by these types of prolonged uh, medical battles knows that uh, even with insurance, oftentimes costs just soar out of control. So they started a GoFundMe page. They have a goal, a, a relatively modest goal, I'm sure, of $25,000. Uh, right now, I'm seeing $20,745 of that $25,000 goal uh, has been met. So they're very close, Mike, right? Like our listeners, 
uh, themselves by just donating a couple bucks each could could really make a big impact. And it just goes to, to helping her uh, pay for the medical expenses that that, um, that she needs to, to keep battling. Um, and the um, the URL, I don't know if you have it. I dropped it into the... Oh, sweet. Uh, it's, online. it's on the graphic? Into the cool. comments. In, uh, oh, good, yeah. So on check, the Facebook if you're check that out. They've got uh, GoFundMe.com, and her name is Nicole uh, Adderley. And again, you could follow her and her progress as she fights this and, and everything else she does in her in her life at 50 Fabulous and Fit. Um, you know, it, it's a trying time. Um, and um, and she's if you check out her stuff on social media, she's a really cool. She's a really cool lady who, who's got a lot of energy and an amazing uh, uh, liveliness to her. And she's battling now. So if anyone wants to learn more about that battle and wants to see if they can jump in and be a part of that team. Check out the the GoFundMe page uh, for Nicole Adelie Eve Edwards' uh, mother and and see if you uh, can't lend her support in some way. So, I actually got a quote from Eve's on this. Oh, awesome! Um, it was through a conference call, so it's a little muffled, cool. but we will play the audio so you can hear. Uh, basically, to set this clip up, I just kind of asked him about um, the outpouring of support from the fans uh, to help his mother and how much it meant to him. You know, I reached out to a few of my friends in, in the fight game, a few other fighters, and asked them for their help in, in getting the word out. But the response from them and from Sam, that's been huge. Uh, I honestly, I didn't think, it was one of those things where I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that kind of response. I expected a few people to respond. I expected to, to still be working on it really hard. I mean, we still haven't reached our goal. We're still uh, about $4,000 away from the goal, but... It's been, it's been, I mentioned that we had it last night, but it's still been so positive. Um, that, that in such a short time to get to that point, with everybody's help, you know, everybody that has, has donated and donated whatever they could. And when you look at the donations and you see a donation for 5 or 12 or 16 or 35 or $117, it's, it's obvious that these guys are doing everything they can. I couldn't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I can't tell you how much my mom appreciates it. And, and it, it's, it's kind of, it kind of brings me to a point where I'm a little speechless and it's hard to even say thank you and I'll show you what I really mean by that thank you. It's just words. I, I can't tell, tell you guys how much I appreciate your support for myself, for my mom. And, and, and the love that you guys are showing, it's huge, man. It's, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough. I couldn't put it in words with that. Wow. There yeah. you have it. It was Eve Edwards talking about how grateful he is for everyone spreading the word and, and helping uh, join the team to help his, his mother, Nicole Adderley, battle, uh, battle cancer. Check, check her out and uh, check out the GoFundMe page um, and, and learn more and see if, uh, see if you can help out. They're really close, so we're almost there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're really, really close. If you if you if you pitch in now, they're at the you know they're at the one yard line. You could help them get into the engine right now. So, uh, our guest today is going to be Jason Perillo. Though I believe we're going to have a surprise guest. Uh oh. Joining us at the end of the show. Um, it's not a bill collector for me, is it? No. All right, good. That would be a great segment, though. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. Did you want to get him on the line? <laughs> uh, you want me to call Prillo now? Yes. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I need to plug in here. And then, uh, in the meantime, the weight-cutting issue rages on in the wake of Habib and Tony. Um, and you've got, you've got your own uh, 
weight cutting project, which we've we've got to make it a regular check in here. Maybe we could squeeze it in today to start chatting. Uh, I know the list is going to be a segment. Then just I'll step in a scale, a weigh in. Maybe think, that, I like maybe it. That's the thing we'll do. We'll do like a, an actual weigh in. No, I think that's good. Let's yeah. do it. You want to see Mike Dice weigh in? Um, Nobody wants. You could choose. You could choose. You could choose. No shirt and no pants. You could choose, guys. We'll vote on it on the uh, the hoop of <laughs> the hoop of shame is Casey. <laughs> that's right. All right. Let's see if we can reach Coach uh, Jason Perillo. Hey, Coach, this is Elias. You're on uh, with me and my co-host, Mike Dice, on the Extra Rounds Podcast. Thanks for making time. Hey, how you guys doing, man? Doing good. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. So you're, you, you were in Vegas this past weekend uh, for, the, uh, for the, the fights, right, Coach? You know what? I didn't go to the fight. Was, I was out there. I actually came home before the fight. Oh, no kidding. coming home Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah, so I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there. At the fights, if that's where you're going, were you going to ask me about them? No, well, no, but but I was just curious. Um, I did, <laughs> you know, Michael Bisping was uh, was there. They announced obviously he's going to be fighting George St. Pierre. We're going to talk about that with you. We want to talk about uh, um, the women's featherweight division. Uh, but but before all that, I got I got to ask you, man. So I don't know how much you saw of it or how much you've chatted with with uh, your fighter uh, uh, Mike uh, <laughs> Bisping. Yeah, but when you see like. When you see Bisping go off like he did against GSP at that press conference, or even I don't know if you saw the footage of him like just trying to I don't know they was arguing with Eddie Bravo in a hallway or in a lobby, you know. When you, but when you see Mike Bisping go into full Mike Bisping, you know, anger mode in terms of verbal, what what goes through your mind? Like I know you're a rough guy when you need to be, coach, but you know I don't I don't see you starting the the trash talking or bullying. And the way sometimes that happens, do you kind of just do you laugh when you see him kind of get into a groove like that, going after opponents, or do you kind of like cringe? Like what what goes through your mind? It, it really depends on on where we're at. You know, I mean, as far as time time, I guess you could say. I mean, we're looking at a fight that's not going to happen for four months, mm. and we're looking at uh, Michael Bisping who goes out and likes to have a really good time in Las Vegas. You know, but I, whether he, whether you know. In all honesty, that's that's how Mike's always kind of been. Now, hasn't it? You know, he <laughs> Mike's a fighter. Mike, I I, I heard some interview about uh, GSP talking about why are you so mad or something. He's talking <laughs> yeah. about trying to figure out why he's so angry. And I'm like, this what he's doing right now actually makes him happy. Mm. That's <laughs> that's the confusing part. I mean, Mike <laughs> is a you know you know Mike is a fighter. Um, uh, you were talking. I'm a coach now, and I'm a little bit older. And I, 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 I'm not the. Everybody uses different things to get them motivated, you know. And everybody's a little different, you know. And everybody talks shit a little different, you know. I mean, one of the greatest shit talkers out in the day was uh, Muhammad Ali. He definitely talked a lot of shit to people, but yep. uh, he did it in a different way. But um, do I want had the big focus on my coach who is Michael Bisping has been getting the calm down has been getting the control of motions a little bit better you know inside and outside the cage because you know they kind of go hand in hand you hmm. know sometimes but uh, this weekend I could laugh off because Mike was just having a good time you know if, if you ask me that wasn't I mean you know the intensity behind it you know, 
out of doors, you know, was probably intensified by a, a fun weekend in Vegas, you know. <laughs> I don't know how many people go out. If you've ever been out to Vegas, you know, it's a, it is a city of sin, and you like to have a good time out there and let loose and relax. And, uh, you know, Mike's one to do that. That's and, uh as, as far as shit talking, you know, that's what he's going to do. I mean, it got a little aggressive, and, and, you know, GSP, too, he's not a shit talker. You know, he's never been his style. That's just not, he actually, you know, is always, you know, you know, played the, the right political role with, you know, with how he handles himself. And, um, you know, Mike might like to have a little good time with that, too, at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big fight for Mike. And Mike, and Mike, you know, Mike's, you know, always down to sell a fight. And, and you don't even really have to ask him because, He's a fighter. That's why he sees a guy that he's supposed to fight. He's going to get intense every time. Go back and watch any of his weigh-ins or anything. He's intense with everybody. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is that back in the day, give you a little example, we were lined up to fight Mark Munoz. Um, that fight ended up falling out. But I'm thinking about that. We'd laugh at the gym. I, I would laugh. I said, okay, what the hell are you going to say to Mark Munoz? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the you nicest know Mark guy Munoz. in the world, yeah. Everybody in the sport knows Mark Munoz is the nicest fucking guy in the world. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, we're in a pickle here. We're a little bit of pickle. I, but, but he's going to figure it out. If I know Mike, he's going to figure out something, and something's going to come out. He's going to notice something. He's going to talk a little shit, and that's just the way he is. Now, the, the fight, it's, that, that actually is really awesome insight, Coach. The fight itself, I haven't talked to you about it yet. We're about to. I haven't talked to... George's coach Frost Sahabi about it yet. I hope to talk to him at some point too about it. I could be wrong, but I feel like this matchup. I know Mike is, is has talked about he feels a little disrespected and because they're they're you know all of a sudden George wants to fight for the middleweight title and I get that and I definitely want you to comment on that if if you want. But I feel like what's so interesting about this fight and what's so fair about this fight is that I get the feeling both camps like this fight, right? When I say like it, meaning uh, we think this is a good one. Sure, it's going to make everyone money. Wait, 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 wait. 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 You, you, you cut out real quick. Oh, you just yeah, that or, yeah. I apologize. No, it's okay. I was saying that I get the feeling, Coach, that this is a fight that both sides like for themselves, which is interesting, right? Um, usually when we, right. you know, when you talk off the record – to people, you know, you get some honesty and like, you know, the the threats in that fight or what they what they really think about the chances. But I could see Mike Bisping and, and you saying, you know what, George hasn't fought in three years. He's not as young as he as he was. He's taken more and more damage in his last three fights, uh, and he's smaller than us. I could see George saying, you know what, um, Michael Bisping's not as big as other middleweights. Michael Bisping's also older than me, and maybe um, you know he. I, I have confidence if I wrestle, I can be disciplined. So I feel like both sides probably like this we'll get george's side later do you like this matchup and and, and why 100 <coughs> percent. i mean you know middleweight the you know a stacked division is a tough division and i've said it every time michael will fight anybody they put in front of them um you know they want to put george say you know george say you know i think this is a fight that he won i think i think his negotiations, as far as coming back, what I, what my thought process is on it, is that you know his eyes have always been on Michael Bisping, you know, just like a lot of fighters' eyes, because you know, in all reality, is 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 there a situation where George may maybe would have a hard time making one seventy nowadays? I don't know. 
You know, maybe you know, maybe he trusted IVs back in the day. I'm not saying he did, and I don't know if he did or didn't. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. You know, in, in speaking to you, trying to answer this question for yeah. you, but you know, uh, everybody thinks they get. For some reason, people think they could be Michael Bisping. You know, <laughs> and they gotta remember. He is champion of the world, and the reason why he did that is he knocked out, you know, one of the pound-for-pound pound top guys, you know, last year. And he be, he's beaten some some incredible fighters, you know, and, 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 it's, and of course it's disrespectful. It was disrespectful to, you know, come out of three years and want to step up a weight class. I shouldn't use the word disrespectful. That's probably not the, you know, it's. You know, it, he obviously feels it's a fight he can win. Mm. George feels he can win this fight, and we feel we can win this fight. I mean, pretty much what you, how you open this question and, and, and how you ask this question, you know, is exact the right thought process. You're exactly right. I think both sides are really happy about this fight. You know, we're extremely happy because you got to remember, Mike's been campaigning for a title for 10 years. You know, he's, you know, he is older, like you said, than George, than, than George and, you know, he's going to, you know, there's going to be retirement coming in, you know, in, you know, you know, sooner than not sooner than later, but you know it's coming. He, yeah. he, you know, at the end of his career, after, you know, I don't know what he's going to do after you know, after his next few fights. But um, he got set up for the future, mm-hmm. and the future is you know, the future. You need money, and it, it, there's not an opponent on the planet that's going to produce more money, mm-hmm. you know, to fight than, than George St. Pierre. What was your? If, uh, we're curious. I want to switch gears here to. Chris Cyborg, Justino, another one of uh, one of the fighters you coach and spend a lot of time with, uh, have a big role in. Um, now that I mean the whole the whole Usada situation and how that came up when it did and how it melted away when it did is it's its own conversation that you know it's its own thing. But now that it has melted away, so to speak, what what's her what's her mood been like? I mean, I imagine it's just been a, such a crazy roller coaster over the last year or so what's uh what's been the spirits uh what's her spirits been like what's 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 team cyborg feeling like now that uh it looks like there's a featherweight division and she's going to be cleared to fight in it uh in the ufc wow she's excited yeah it, it, like you said it's a roller coaster a roller coaster ride for sure especially you got someone like chris cyborg who is definitely a phenom there i mean she's a she's a special athlete and uh you know, a fighter that will generate over the course of time a lot of attention. I mean, she's 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 fun to watch, and uh, the fact that we got something. You know, I did, I, I've been alongside with her campaigning for this featherweight division for a long time. You know, trying to, you know, as far as emotional roller coasters. You know, because there's a lot of ups and downs. She has fights. I mean, for the, for the last five six years with this girl. I mean, there's. You know, we've had eight opponents pull out. You know, it, hmm. just getting the fight alone was 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 a, was a battle. You know, a lot of times, and uh, now that you know the the biggest promotion of the game, the UFC, has opened up the doors to that 145 pound division. I mean, it, it it's sanctuary for us. It's ah, here we go. You know, this is what this is. All the hard work over the years has paid off, and uh, you know. Now, UFC will get you the fight. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's going to be, you know, girls are going to be coming. Everybody wants to be in in, in that uh, promotion. And um, you know, for me, I just want to get the fight. Mm-hmm. I, I know Chris is going to win. I just want to make sure, you know, we got the opponents. And uh, you know, like the, the featherweight champion right now, uh, we don't have her right now. You know, she's not there for us right now. You know, unfortunately. So, um, did you guys find, some, find but, someone but, else? But, 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 
Does Kirby say, yeah, well, hopefully that, well, that's, that's what I'm hoping comes mm. into play. I mean, you know, we can't sit on the shelf and wait. Mm. She's going to fight. That's what she does. You know, and it, and it doesn't do us no good to sit back and, you know, and, you know, who, who knows how long we'd have to wait on that too. You know, the, this girl, what, what I heard, what, what I heard in her, in her speech after her fight, she already premeditated that everything that happened in that. I mean, as soon as Chris Cyborg's name got brought up, she went straight to hand surgery, you know, and, yeah, I don't blame her. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't blame her. I, I don't blame any girl for not wanting to fight Chris Cyborg. You know, so, you know you're, you're biting off you know, probably more than you can chew if you want to step in the cage with her. I don't want to scare anybody off because <laughs> I want somebody to fight her. Yeah. But, uh, you know, is that going to happen? Are we going to fight the opponent? I believe the UFC has the capability to make that happen. There's no doubt in my mind. That's awesome. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you taking this time, man. You know we're going to bug you again sooner than later to have you on again. So we'll, we'll cut you loose now so we don't you don't get sick of us, man. But thanks so much. We've been on with Jason. Hey, Perry. How can I get sick of you guys? <laughs> how the fuck can I get sick of you guys? You're possible. Thank you, J- Jason. Before you right, before guys. you go, if there's any anything you want to shout out, uh, any any anybody things coming up, feel free to or anywhere people can can find more information about you or the fantastic uh, Ruka Sport Gym. Feel free to drop a line now. Yeah. Yeah, Ruka's, you know, check out at Ruka Sport, man. It's, 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 uh, that's my gym down there, but they got, it's a clothing company as well, Ruka, and, and they got, they got some pretty cool shit. I'm at Perilla Box, and you want to check me out. I'm not very exciting, but you can check me out if you want. <laughs> he is exciting. He's just not good at tooting his own horn. Jason Perillo, coach, thank you so much for being on with us. Cheers. Have a great day, guys. Do. He, he only gets quiet when you ask him to, like, Hype himself up. <laughs> right. He's really good at hyping up his team. And then it's like, pitch you. And he's like, I'm just the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ruka Sport but is that's you, That's too. like, you know, that's very rare amongst people. It is. And I that's, think that's a good quality. It is. And that's the type of coach people uh, should, should look for. One who isn't trying to get themselves attention. It was like pulling. Now he comes on and we have a relationship with them. I did some work with him over a year ago. But at first it was like pulling teeth, not to talk to him, but to get him to go on record and like, you know, hype up stuff. Like he just, he likes to train his fighters, which is awesome. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's certainly interesting. And he provided a lot of, in, you know, insight. I think Michael Bisping is such like a character and he was describing it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Carefully the way that he is, you know, you bring up that video of that confrontation from the world MMA awards, which I'd love some more context about what that was about. Like I've watched the video and should, it seems like we should call Eddie up yeah. and Bravo and see Mike Bisping does not like me, so we can't get him on the show, but we can get Eddie Bravo to talk about it, maybe. Yeah, it just, I mean, like, Eddie Bravo seemed, like, he was talking him down, and Bisping seemed really upset for whatever reason it was. (laughs) But it seemed like it was something that stemmed from before this. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, him, Bravo, being critical. I'm assuming on the Joe Rogan podcast. It seemed like it, right? That's what I I was guessing, too, Mike. But uh, very interesting um, situation, and... But I think he did a good job kind of explaining, like, the perplexities of it. Yep. You know, the other thing is, like, he, you know, and he sits there and he, he's being so polite and he's like, George St. Pierre is not a trash talker. But it almost felt like George was doing just as much trash talking during that press conference that, as anybody else was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Michael Bisping or whoever. And part of that's because, like, the whole, the him throwing out that him smelling like alcohol thing. Like, that, <laughs> that blew my mind. Well, first of all, when he started saying that they were across the... Dais from each other. So you might have been able to smell it. 
the, you would have had to really smell like alcohol. You might have been able to smell it, Mike. But did you maybe. See, did you look at that video but with like, Eddie Bravo? I'm getting Mike Rizzing to hate me even more right now, by the but way. Well, <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when it was George the St. Pierre. Oh, that, that he And they were on the like press alcohol. conference. Well, yeah. George, GSP was saying that to Bisping. No, exactly. And that's thing. what I'm saying. So I think, like, like Perillo was saying, he likes to have a good time four months out from a fight. Right. As disciplined as he is to get, he likes to have a good time. Don't want to read too much into that. Yeah. But that was a very specific timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, for those of you at home, would put you right around the July UFC 213 card. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So that I didn't even perked up my ears. It. I, I was like, think about that. Yeah. four months, and I said March, <laughs> April, May, June. Yeah. yeah, well, they don't want to put it in Poughkeepsie in February, that's for sure. So that's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Or right? the Wednesday card. After <laughs> <you or something. laughs> that's right. Wednesday FS8. No, I, probably not going to happen. So uh, while we were doing the show, Albert Morales, who fought at UFC 209, he fought on the uh, oh, yeah. on the prelims. He was he was watching, which was awesome to see that Man, he was watching. And, he, for watching, and he said, brother. good stuff, guys. Uh, so I shot him a message. and was like, hey, if you want to jump on, feel free to call or whatnot. So I think this might be him actually Hell right yeah. now. Hello. Is this Albert? This is Albert. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining in. We love having surprise guests on like this. So thank you so much for watching. Yeah, man. How you feeling? Yeah, man. Amazing, man. Amazing. I was just listening to you guys in a conversation with Coach, man. I, I have no idea that you guys just popped up on my news feed. I was like, yeah, we need to give you guys a listen in. <laughs> good stuff. Well, now you know, man. Yeah, uh, Coach Perillo has been on a couple times. I've been down there at... Uh, at Ruka Sport, we did some videos and did some training. He's he's just a phenomenal mind, and he's kind enough to come on uh, and, and let us bug him for a bit. But uh, but yeah, we're really really amped that you're listening and watching now. Now you got to make it a habit, Albert. Now we're gonna check up on you and be like, dude, it's Wednesday. Are you watching again? Are you listening? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, like I love listening to coaches, man. Like picking their brains apart because you know they're the guys who coach, you know, who coach us, who teach us everything, man. They're like. I consider my coach like my father, you know, mm. like a father figure. He kind of just breaks everything down. So then I can hear other coaches and other philosophies because nobody's the same, you know, nobody, like a bunch of different coaches have a bunch of different minds and just different techniques. And just it's just cool to break down those guys' heads. That's totally true, yeah. Now, how many coaches have you had over the course of your career? Are you guys kind of had multiple coaches. I know some people lock in with one coach and they just stay with them. Um, my head coach has been my head coach my whole pro career. Um, I had a year amateur, uh, a year of amateur, and that was at Systems Training Center. And um, at that time, the head coach was in Harris. But that's where I met my head coach, my forever head coach, and that's uh, Coach James Teal. And um, he's been my coach. He'll be my coach till I die um, for MMA and everything like that. Uh, I have a, another my other coach is Coach Kenny Johnson. Out of Black House in the name, mm. and then my jiu-jitsu coach is Andre Vasconcelos from Carlson Gracie team. I like the the forever coach. That's yeah, man, I'm sure he appreciates you calling him that too. I, I, I gotta I gotta ask, how did it feel? I mean, obviously good, right? But like, what's the feeling of of getting such a big win uh, this past weekend, especially coming off of um, you know, go, having to having having had been a, a minute since you had been able to taste victory again? Is it like is it just pure joy? Is it a sense of relief, uh, Albert? Like, what, what what were you feeling in the cage right after, and what are you still riding on right now? All of the above, man. It, it, it joy, relief, accomplished, just everything. Like, yeah, sure, like, 
winning is winning. Like, like it, 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 it's everything. But in reality, it's not everything, mm-hmm. man. Um, like, like we all want to win, but it's, it's, it's. It, it, I feel like coming back from you, like you said, I. I, I got to draw my first fight, even though I still think I, I won that fight. Sure. I believe I won that fight. I still got to draw, um, and then a loss to Thomas Almeida. That's that's you know, <laughs> I didn't get my hand raised two times in a row. It, it, it kind of messes your head up a little bit. So to be able to come back from that, you know, it, it, was, it was it felt like man, it was just a relief for sure. And then and, you know, first UFC win, it just feels like come on, dude, I, I, like. You know, you start thinking, are people thinking, are you are you ready for this? Mm. Did, did you come in too early and, and all that stuff like that? And I know I belong here, so I just have to constantly kick my own ass and tell myself, yo, stop, 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 mm. and just go and train, and you're going to be the best. You're going to fight, you know, you're, you're going to take everybody out and just continue to push, push, push. Now, you, you kind of uh, mentioned it, but did you, so did you feel like your back was against the wall going into this fight? Um, I put my, I, I guess I put myself against the wall. Um, you know, realistically, man, I'm in the UFC. Uh, the UFC is filled with the best fighters in the world, uh, hands down. Like, you have other promotions out there that are filled with talented fighters also, but I think UFC, no matter what, is at the end of the day, that's where the best competition in the world is. So, if anybody competing, even if you're losing, you're still competing. You, you've gotten there. You're, you're one of the best in the world. Everybody's good. Anybody can win any given night. And that's what people don't really understand. Hmm. Um, even even Andre is his debut. He obviously belongs there. He's the C, uh, CES or I forgot what the organization is, but it's one of the bigger organizations in the world. He's that champ. That means he's the be- he was the best, you know, outside the UFC. He's one of the best. He belongs there. So, like in reality, man, we if we if we put the extra pressure on ourselves, but you know, this shouldn't really be pressure. Man, you're out there fighting the best in the world so so if you put pressure that's on you but i definitely put myself against the wall because i feel i performed the best when my back is towards wall when i have to overcome adversity when um when i just got to show up man and, and shock the world so i i put myself against the wall for sure now you are kind of in a, in a maybe unique situation i think because you have um at 10 or just under 10 pro fights but you fought in you know the biggest MMA organizations already in the world, Bellator, UFC, World Series of Fighting, um, the British one, I can't remember the name of it, and, uh, you know, RFA, World Series of Fighting. What's, what's the, you know, is it kind of just the same routine in, amongst all these organizations, or is, like, you know, the UFC just feel like a different pressure altogether? Um, for a while, I, I, I told myself that, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all the same, it's all the same. In reality, I guess... It is all the same, but man, you know it, it's something different. Walking out into that octagon and hearing Bruce Buffer, Bruce Buffer scream your name, and you know um, just the way the, the the UFC is so you know tightly run. It's like a machine, I say, man. Um, you got great workers that make sure everything runs smoothly, where you don't have to worry about anything but making weight and 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 just staying on point and media. And it's just it's it's just a it's just an awesome machine. I, I I call the UFC like a machine man um and it's yeah yeah definitely the, the, it, it is it is a uh, a change for sure hmm. now when they you're sitting in that uh you're sitting there waiting for the judge's decisions to be read and you can tell it's going to be a split decision did you get nervous in that moment at all or did you feel confident um uh, I, I i was nervous man as soon as i heard that it was a split i was like i i don't believe this uh you know 
I was confident I won the fight before before I heard the split. But when there was a split, I I, I got a little nervous. I was like, dude, not not again, man, not again. I can't <laughs> I can't experience this again. I know Andre was tough, and I and I do give him the second round, but there's no way he won that fight. Um, yeah, so I did get nervous, yeah, for sure. So you get your first UFC win on a pay per view event, no less. How do you celebrate? You're in Vegas. Do you, do you just go home and rest? Do you party? Did you stay and watch the fights? Well, we definitely stayed in Vegas and watched the fights. Um, my my wife and my coach's wife, uh, they, they go to every fight. You know, they get tickets to everything. So they, they, they were all good. They got kind of tired and, and they, they had to leave. So me and my coach stayed. Me and my coaches stayed and watched as many fights as we could before we started getting hate texts. As soon as we started getting those texts, you know, we had to dip. Um, but we still watched the fights. Uh, we found a sports bar that was actually showing them uh, and, wa- and watched them there. Um, but usually I go, I go home and chill. But, for so, you know, my manager, Jason House from Team Iridium, the best manager in the world, got us into this really, really exclusive club. And, and, they, and they got me a little drunk for the first time in a while. So um, it, 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 was, it was definitely a trip. It seems so crazy to me that you could compete on a card, win a fight, and then go to a sports bar and watch the event fill up amongst Vegas. the people who are just watching you fight. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. That right? has to be a bit surreal. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Like, no, I wonder, like, yeah. how many people sitting around you had, you know, were, were, would think to look and, and say, "Hey, do I recognize that guy next to me?" Was that you know was just fighting earlier in the card? Yeah, they probably had no idea they were watching with a UFC fighter. Yeah, you know, I had a couple guys at the bar kind of say what's up and uh, <laughs> and 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 pop so much fight, but um, yeah, he did. You know, at the end of the day, we're normal people, man. I remember uh, before I got signed to the UFC, I was walking uh, in in the mall. I live in I live in Torrance, oh. Torrance. I was walking in the mall and uh, I saw Fabrizio Verdum walking <laughs> down the freaking mall, and dude, I see him and uh, I'm like, yo, that's the heavyweight champ. He was a champ at the time, and I'm freaking out. But then I'm realizing I'm the only one freaking out, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. That's awesome. So you got your first win, jitters or whatever is in the past. Now you're looking towards the future. What's next for you? Is there you know specific fighter that you're looking for? The the, the only specific fighter that I'm looking for is Thomas Almeida. You know, mm. um, realistically, I don't see that fight happening anytime soon because he's on his own path. You know, he's and and I'm not. And not really, I know they're going to want to give me a couple guys before that or anything like that. But I, I, I'm letting it be known. He knows. Everybody knows that I want Thomas Almeida. I want a rematch. All respectfully, you know what I mean? I just That's just the first loss that I've ever had, and, and I want that back. I feel like I need to come full circle around that and then, you know, make my way to the title. If he has a title at the time, then but at the end of the day, like right now, the only thing I'm focusing on is, you know, I want that rematch with Thomas Almeida. And whoever comes my way, who comes my way. How lo- uh, how quick are you looking to get back into the cage? Man, I'm I'm ready to go next week. You know, um, I'm 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 hoping for Anaheim. Realistically, um, I, I came out with no injuries, nothing like that. 100 percent ready to go. Um, uh, I was going to go back to train Monday, but Coach Kenny Johnson at Black House said no get at home. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, that's that's the one of the biggest pieces that uh, you know training. I train about eight hours a day. And um, I don't get to spend time with my two girls and my wife as much, so it's kind of hard for me. I, 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 I was kind of joking with my friends. I was like, yo, man, I don't know how to be a dad, you know? So it's like I'm over here messing around with my baby, and like, it's kind of weird, but not training. But it, it, it's good. It's good. It's definitely good to 
spend some time with her, but I, I'm hoping for Anaheim. Hmm. I was going to ask, UFC 214, too far out or, you know, the right event? Um, 214 as well. That's the Anaheim yeah, card Anaheim one, in yeah. late July. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, that's right. That's that, that's what that's what I want. Uh, I want it because I want it because it's close to home. I know I definitely know a lot of people in LA and and, and you know the valley and all all over. They're, they're all going to want to come and you know. If I was the UFC man, I would I would I would book me. I'd book myself. I'd book I'd book Brian Ortega. Um, you know Alan Jobon. I'd book all the all of LA guys and let us just come out there and blow that card up because you know I come to fight. Brian comes to fight. Alan comes to fight. There's so many good fighters out here. Like, you know, just stack our squad up and let us fill out the show. They can, almost, they can almost do like, you know, they do the three night cards. They can almost do that in like Southern California. Oh, There's totally a lot of gyms could. there. You do a two week long thing in, in SoCal, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Albert. Yeah, man, like, it, it, go, ahead. That? go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I feel like SoCal for sure, especially like this little hot spot, man. We got Kings, Blackout. So many stacks, more time. So many gyms out here that are just—you know—we can, we can, we can sell out many cards, man. Mm. Well, thank you so much for uh, calling in. We really enjoyed having you as kind of a surprise guest, and congratulations on that win. It was yeah. uh, exciting to see. All right, thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. All right, man. Later, brother. Oh, what a great look dude. at that! So cool. Surprise calling. Gotta love and surprise callings, and he just stumbled across the show. Yeah. You know. So we're talking UFC 209, and we have a fighter from UFC 209 yeah. call in. That's awesome. We have to be in touch with him. He, yeah, he uh, did well. He was he was a great fighter on the regional circuit. Um, it's a big. Uh, it's a it's a. Big I like he was never even really on the regional circuit. His debut yeah, was in that's Bellator. True. I guess I guess you shouldn't consider RFA. Yeah. And like I guess all those are not even regional. They're just like minor leagues well, that are international. Yeah, and RFA is now merged with legacy legacy yeah. to create this new thing but two of the bigger ones yeah you know, that's true. i'm looking at his uh patron now there's two fights uh two first fights were in bellator right. then right. uh bama and brit and england yeah. world yeah. series of fighting you know and he won in all these organizations yeah, too. No, no. That's you know. true. he was undefeated till till he got uh till he hit thomas almeida who is a phenomenal like top guy in that division so yeah this is a this is a real top prospect man i'm uh I'm, ex- I'm excited that he seems ready to go again. I'm also excited that he's like, uh, let me figure out how to be a dad for a few days, right? Yeah. Because you deserve some freaking rest. But right. that's cool, man. We got it. We got to have him on again. What a, what a cool dude to, to drop you a line and say he wanted to come on. I did a cycle, a spin class. Yeah. For an hour last night, not even an hour. <laughs> it's like 50 minutes yeah. and then like 10 minutes of like come warm yeah. down. Yeah. I guess right. cool down. Right. And uh, that kicks my butt. So I can't even imagine working out for eight hours a day. It's it's pretty gnarly uh, what these what these guys and gals do. Well, anyways, that brings us to the conclusion of the show. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We really appreciate you tuning in, especially Albert. And thank you for calling in. Um, you know, you can find us in iTunes. You can find us in TuneIn. You can find us in Stitcher. Uh, the video will be uploaded to YouTube. It'll live here on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. And we stream every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to tune in. So thank you, everyone, for watching.